the Geopolitics and Empire podcast is joined by Christian Westbrook, better known as the Ice Age Farmer. We'll be talking about the deliberate sabotage of our food supply, which he calls Food Wars. Thank you for being with us, Christian. Hello, Thanks so much for having me. Now, I discovered your work uh, with Ice Age Farmer through the interview you did with our mutual acquaintance, Spiros Kouras. Uh, you really freaked me out with uh, your analysis of the attack on our food supply, and you back it all up with data. Your videos are short to the point, you know, 10, 15 minutes, uh, and you show all of the data, the research reports. Uh, and then after d discovering your line of thinking, I started to notice the news stories from all over the planet of how farms are being shut down for no good reason and food prices are skyrocketing. I've been living in Kazakhstan for the past couple of years and there it was recently reported, uh, for example, uh, that they would have a 30% decline in egg production and possibly poultry. And I know when I was there, the price of lemons increased 50%. So this definitely seems to be part of the next phase of the pandemic, scamdemic, plandemic agenda. Uh, after they've knocked out all of the small businesses, um, which have allowed people to be independent from the system. It looks like now they're going after our food, which will limit even further our ability to be self-sufficient. So can you take us down this rabbit hole of the food wars? Absolutely. And it's just for the record, it's certainly not my intent to scare you or anybody. I want to make sure, though, to get this information out there because it is absolutely, from where I sit, the most important conversation that we can be having right now. The food system is absolutely one of the linchpins, one of the uh, life support systems of modern civilization. And so when we start to realize that it's not just under threat, but a, a directed, targeted attack and one that's been planned for generations by the powers that be, then it warrants some analysis and some conversations. So again, thank you for having me and, and for making that uh, a priority today. Uh, it's great work you're doing and I appreciate that. Um, when we look at the, you know, the technocrats, generations, as I said, of people have talked about the, the goals to control the population through the use of food. You know, Henry Kissinger, we all have heard the quote, control food and you control the population. Uh, we've also heard, for instance, Bertrand Russell explain that it will be a combination of diet and injections and injunctions that will form this palpable humor, uh, human of the future that the state can do whatever they want with and they won't even be able to resist. And so they have certainly telegraphed their intentions to use food as a vector, as a weapon. And, uh, and now, as you say, in this, this 2020, as this scandemic really takes all of the technocratic agendas, all the agenda 21, 2030, um, everything, biodiversity, all of these, these uh, things that have been set in motion and, and paths that have been put there are now being just a blitzkrieg as, as the technocrats roll on all of these fronts. And food is, yes, absolutely one of them. This year, we've seen a tremendous effort on, I'll call it two different fronts. There's sort of a long-standing agenda to gradually, um, through manipulating the production and the supply chain, change what's available to people at the same time as they're socially engineering people away from eating foods that we've known in the past. They're pushing us towards these fake lab-grown meats, synthetic uh, weird, just transhumanist is the best way to, they're separating us from all that is good and natural and from God. And, 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 you know, when you look at food being human, because we have to eat every day, uh, food is absolutely a very core part of being human. And so the, it makes sense that a transhumanist agenda to separate us from our own humanity and turn us into these, you know, satanic machines would involve a complete divorce from that cultural aspect, those, those traditions of food. Um, and so there is this long-standing agenda and food and hunger will be used to ensure compliance into that long and to all of these things. We're, 
we're experiencing. Um, but so too is there an acute attack on the food supply. And this has really gone into hyperdrive this year. A lot of the conversation we're having, you could look back, and I have looked back hundreds of years and seen people like Lord Birkenhead, one of the UK, um, you know, statesman a hundred years ago in Cosmo magazine, believe it or not, writing about how we're going to get rid of farms in the future. Agriculture will be a thing of the past. You know, this is a longstanding agenda and they've been talking about it for a long time, but this year there is also an acute attack. And what they're doing is particularly in, we'll call it Western countries and particularly hard hit even then is the U S because they're trying to bring this country to its knees and cause complete chaos around the elections and having Food shortages is part of that. And so under the guise of COVID-19 and protecting the workers in the meat factories, they started shutting down meat factories. And now just in the last few weeks here, an echo of that thing, we saw there were meat shortages, Burger King, did, uh, Wendy's actually it was, didn't have burgers for a while there because of these impacts on the on the beef supply chain. And now that same, it's, it's like the same script is being executed on agriculture as a whole. And there, you know, we've seen Michigan and Washington within the last couple of weeks here say that it is now mandatory right as we enter harvest season that we need to start doing mandatory COVID testing on all of the farm workers, which the New York Times itself admitted last Friday has a 90% over you know, false positive rate. So we'll mandate testing on farm workers. We will necessarily find that some of them are positive and then in comes the CDC or these, literally we have here in California, um, Gruesome Newsome, our governor created and funded these COVID-19 farm strike teams that are being sent in to ensure compliance for social distancing and all of these things, um, which slows down the harvest. And the bottom line is they're shutting down food production. And this is going to be causing, yeah, very real shocks to our food supply here in the near future. And what would be the effects? Because, you know, I pretty much watch every episode you put out. And, you know, you, like I, I mentioned in, in Kazakhstan, I've seen it. You've mentioned in Canada, U.S. And, you know, is there like a critical point, like, after how many farms uh, do they, when they sh shut them down, what, what are we going to start to see happen? I mean, empty shelves, uh, the food price inflation, you know, what will be then the outcome that we're going to start seeing in the coming months? Yeah, shortages and food prices rising. We have seen already, in fact, I want to be careful with our language. We've seen last year already canneries shutting down because there wasn't enough harvest to can. And that happened in China. And we saw one of those in the US as well. Um, there were canned food shortages at Walmart and Kroger. You can just Google and find these results. So there have been, even before, right, even before 2020 and this COVID-19, which is definitely, they're going to point at this and blame it, and then they'll blame Trump for it even worse. Um, so they're going to try and associate, just like the economic collapse. We all knew this was happening since 2008. It was all just kicking the can, buying time, living off a dream, right? Um, and, and so now all of these problems that have been um, wrapped into the COVID-19 blanket are just being dealt with and, and uh, blamed on, on this whole series of things. But absolutely, we'll see food prices rising. We've seen spotty availability. And, you know, I hear from folks at, at Walmart who are um, floor staff people that are ordering food on uh, the floor for Walmart and Kroger and Whole Foods. And increasingly, their response is, you know, I'm putting in orders for X and Y and Z, and I'm getting half of an X and maybe a sixth of the wine. I'm not even getting an easy anymore. I can't get it. So we're definitely seeing the supply chain. And this is not even just food at this point. The supply chain has been decimated this year by ports closing, Chinese manufacturing, and different parts of the supply chain. And we all know, we've, we've heard for years and talked about how brittle and fragile that whole thing is 
with a, you know, a single in the just in time inventory, when you can't get a part for your, for whatever it is you're making, that shuts down your whole production. And so, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of that this year. And just, you know, interesting about the sabotage as well, like we've seen all over the planet, you know, in Beirut, uh, what happened and then grain silos just spontaneously combusting. So, I mean, are they just like going all over the planet and just sabotaging food production sites? Because you mentioned the COVID angle where they're going to, you know, using the pretext of COVID positive shutting down farms or not allowing enough farm workers to, to work the farms. But now we're seeing all over the world this, this sabotage. What's your take on that? Uh, to me, there's no question that that's going on. You know, I think what, there's a balance that the technocrats will struggle to attain. And that is we can't collapse things completely because then it's Mad Max and no one has control, right? Then they lose control. And so the way that I've described this often is that they want a controlled demolition, a, uh, you know, a near... A, a collapse in slow motion, which allows them to retain control over everything, even as they massively, um, summarily put farms and ranchers out of business and stand up instead these fake meat companies. You know, there's a $10 billion food replacement industry that's been financed he heavily over those last few years by the, the billionaire philanthropists. It's because they know that to take total control over the food supply, they have to create these you know, lab-grown meats and the cockroach milk and the synthetic uh, insect-based proteins, all of these things that, that they've been pushing as, hey, maybe this is a cool health fad for the future are now being rolled out as we can't get meat anymore. That's a dirty, barbarous relic from the past. And if you eat meat still, you're racist because you're telling the, the, the people in those factories that their lives are less important than your burger, right? That's a huge guilt and social engineering agenda that's been pushed out this year to, to flip, to flip that breaker on humanity over from everything that's good and true that we've enjoyed since time immemorial, growing food, saving seeds this year. No, it's not that anymore. It's the food of the technocrats. They're literally, I just published a report. They're starting to ban the seed, the sale of seed. They kind of tested the water of that. Governor Whitmer in Michigan had banned the seed sales uh, in March and people fought back because we recognize this is, you know, this is how we feed ourselves. This is part of what makes us human is cultivating and saving seeds. Uh, so that didn't work well. They've had to find now a different approach and they staged this whole Chinese mystery seeds false flag where they sent literally hundreds of thousands of packets of seeds. And they called it a brushing scam where, you know, that was just some guy on Amazon who was trying to get more reviews, but you, you don't send 200,000 packets internationally to get good reviews on Amazon. This is, this is actually a very expensive in terms of capital operation, but that's actually quite a small price tag to achieve a global social engineering agenda where you ban the sale of seeds on Amazon and on Wish, which has happened yesterday and today. And it's just stunning to see them take total control over the seeds, which of course is the precursor that if you have total control of seeds, you have total control of food. And this is really just the, you know, so to speak, the capstone on the pyramid that's been constructed through years of mergers and acquisitions by Monsanto and Syngenta and these characters, uh, many of whom are Chinese owned at this point, as they've bought up all that seed supply. So now they're just really clamping down. It's the end, the end stage of this agenda. And that's why it's super important to have these conversations to start growing food and save seeds and fight back. 
And, and before just getting a little more into that, to the mm -hmm. fake food uh, and, and the reasons that, that, that they're doing this for uh, essentially to control 100% of the food supply. So, so you mentioned them using the pretext of, of COVID positive tests to shut down the farms, uh, the sabotage and something else I think you've mentioned. Um, now this idea of uh, the, the, I guess, zoonotic transmission from animals to humans of, of COVID or whatever. And it's interesting, like, you know, I, I did an interview with Francis Boyle and Whitney Webb on uh, coronavirus being a bio weapon. And if we, if I think we should know by now, if you've done the research that last year, there were almost half a dozen uh, pandemic war game simulations about uh, coronavirus coming out. You know, you had Crimson Contagion, Urban Outbreak, you had the one in China in September about they were running a, a drill of a coronavirus outbreak, then event 201 and so on. So they run these drills, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of preparation for their execution. And now I've started to notice there, uh, this fall, there are some happening now. They're doing simulations of uh, having an outbreak uh, in animals trans, uh, transmitting to, to, to humans. So it seems like that's something we're going to be hearing about in the future now. Oh, you know, animals, humans, farms, and that plays into getting rid of the meat. What are your thoughts there? There's no question. You're, you're dead on. First of all, that was a great interview and well done. Um, and then second of all, yeah, we are already hearing about the zoonotic threat. There's been a, just a continuous barrage of articles. The next major pandemic will come from factory farms. A virus will emerge from poultry farms that will wipe out half of humanity. I mean, really extreme claims. That is, that's, that's fear point right there when the media starts talking like that. Um, and then even more stunningly, Dr. Fauci uh, just a few days ago, Dr. Fauci himself put out a paper that said, uh, looks like COVID-19, you know, when you, when you really think about it, viruses and pandemics actually tie back to humans when we first domesticated animals and began agriculture. He is literally starting to blame, turning the blame now for COVID-19 onto farmers and ranchers. And to see him play now into this attack on food is just stunning. But you're right, he's, he's jumping on board with the UN's biodiversity language, which says, gosh, guys, it's really, it's not fair. Humans are nasty and noisy and dirty, and we're taking up too much land on the earth, and that's going to cause problems. We're going to get diseases from animals because we're moving into their habitat. That's really the, the key argument. And that's what he, that's what Fauci means when he says uh, pandemics stem from a disbalance of humanity in nature. It's not just some pseudoscience. I mean, it is pseudoscience, complete nonsense that he's, that he's coming up with. Um, so yes, there has been a, a complete uh, laydown of cover fire, the predictive programming into indicating that we are looking now at a zoonotic threat. Uh, we've got major characters like Fauci intimating that we're heading right into that now. And uh, given that there's an attack on our food supply, and that the pandemic wave two is something that, you know, we've heard Bill Gates talk about. Pandemic two is coming any day now. Yeah, I think, that, I think it's safe to say uh, that not only would this accomplish a number of points that they need to knock out on their agenda, creating the food shortage through massive recalls of infected food, um, further demonstrating that animal agriculture is a barbarous relic, a dirty, dangerous thing that humanity simply can't afford to do. It's, it's not safe anymore, don't you see, right? This, it all plays into this um, shifting the perspective, the perception of food into something completely different. And uh, yeah, I think you are right to say that we need to have our eye on that. And before get, uh, getting uh, again into more of the why uh, they're doing this, just another question about, you know, um, you, you talked about the different countries and the effect will be felt worse uh, in the on the West and especially the US. Uh, and so if this continues, how bad do you think um, things can get 
again, like globally in terms of the food availability and, and price inflation? And, you know, would some countries you think fare better uh, than others? I think countries that, that do most of their production domestically are naturally going to fare better because what happens when you look back, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting this time to see how much control the technocrats retain in different parts of the world historically before there was a global governance, right? Um, what would happen is that as these shortages became more pronounced, countries would just lock down their borders. They wouldn't honor their export agreements anymore. And so they would desperately cling to whatever grains and, and food that they did have. And we have seen this start to happen from Vietnam who stopped their exports of rice. They're the world's biggest producer of rice and they stopped exports last year. They have since resumed, but because they needed to make sure that they could feed their people, right? And so at some point, you know, you can call it nationalist protectionism or you can call it common sense, right? Feeding your family, feeding your community. Um, these, yeah, you will see nations start to take protective measures like that. In fact, you had mentioned some of those simulations, these games that they throw, like Event 201, somehow predicting that there would be a coronavirus out outbreak uh, and that it would require coordination and, and uh, private-public partnerships and global governance working together. So too, was there a similar simulation game thrown by John Podesta's uh, Center for American Progress called the Food Chain Reaction Game? It was held in 2015, and it predicted that in 2020, Following a pandemic, the world food supply would experience severe volatility and we would have to institute a global carbon tax and a meat tax in the EU, uh, plus have massive programs and coordination through the UN. You know, more global problems require global governance. So these are scripts that have been written out in advance that we now find ourselves walking into. And uh, it's just stunning. Yeah, and so now to look at like, you know, the why and their vision uh, f for the future. You know, you've spoken at length on your channel many times uh, about why they're doing this. You know, I think uh, you mentioned Kissinger again, and I think the biggest reason is 100% total control of the global food supply through transgenic or genetically modified foods. Because as you said, you, you ban seeds, you get rid of the, the natural seeds and foods that we can reuse. And once that is gone, all we're left is with their patented uh, foods and their synthetic fake meats and as you said cockroach they want us the eu just a few months ago like uh, approved uh, officially formally approved the use of like cockroaches and insects and and grasshoppers for uh, as food i've previously interviewed william engdahl on the subject of gmos as he wrote the book seeds of destruction so you know once they control the food they can raise the prices at will they can starve us um and as well, they'll be able to track all food using, that was something really interesting that you got onto uh, using the new AI and blockchain technology where you mentioned every single grain of coffee. I'm a huge coffee drinker. And so every single grain of coffee would be um, marked, tracked, digitized. And I, I even noticed, because I'm Croatian, I've read the Croatian newspapers a few months ago, they were saying the same thing what you, that you were saying in the Croatian papers of, uh, uh, because we're, you know, we're on the Dalmatian coast, you get a, uh, salmon and then you're supposed to like mark it just as you said and then if you slice the salmon into three pieces each piece needs to be marked so that was in the croatian uh papers just a few months ago so could you kind of like get into a little more of you know why are they doing this and what's their end goal well you're it it's <laughs> it's funny because even listening to you say these things i know them to be true i've seen these agendas talked about and it still sounds so ridiculous to imagine that we have to chop fish up into pieces and keep track of each one in a blockchain supply chain um but yes yes it's exactly correct that's where they want 
uh, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, of course, describe total uh, awareness of and control of every resource on the planet. And over the past few months, we've seen Al Gore announce a new climate tracing initiative where they've got an alliance of satellites that are watching for any emissions, any carbon emissions anywhere on the planet in real time using AI. Um, this, of course, we've heard the agendas about the digital dollar, the digital known traveler passport. So everything is moving into blockchain where it can be a distributed but still a centralized point of information about all of these things. The, um, the, the desire to track coffee bean, individual coffee beans out of the ground and all of these things is pretty stunning, but it's been described by a number of people and it's being implemented by IBM right now uh, in conjunction with a number of partners, all of which have accelerated right this summer because of COVID-19. We need to really uh, reevaluate our supply chain. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate end game, of course, is to have complete control over all of those resources. And, you know, some of the amazing things we've seen recently are China with their Clean Your Plate initiative has started saying, if you throw away too much food, then we're going to have these AI trash cans armed with facial recognition that will notice that and will penalize your social credit score. So when you say that they have the ability, if they have complete control over our food supply to starve us out, I don't imagine that as a giant city being you know, siege warfare anymore. It's more like a case-by-case basis. If you don't quarantine like you're supposed to, if you don't do your, your contact tracing callbacks or you know, whatever, whatever it is, they want to push you along. If you don't turn in your guns, then you're not going to get your food this week. And uh, that's why they have to take total control of seeds as well as to make sure that we depend on that system to feed ourselves so that we are in turn forced to acquiesce to their agenda. So, I mean, have you run the scenario through your mind of the absolute worst case dystopian science fiction scenario? You, you know, like what you just described, uh, or do you think they'll even abolish having a farm or having land outside of the city? Um, and would that essentially mean like you'd starve to death if, if you didn't comply with their social credit system? I think certainly that's what they imagine and are actively taking steps to implement right now. You see calls, you know, again, under the the guise of biodiversity, we've seen top UK barristers suggest that we should just rewild over 50% of the UK farmland and just let it go. Stop growing food. And they tell sheep farmers, hey, you can make more money by making carbon offsets than actually raising meat at this point, which doesn't make any real economic sense. There's no goods being produced, right? It's just, it's only when you introduce the technocratic approach, tried and true of uh, trying to dictate reality. But we know that in reality, nobody governs truth and that approach is not going to work long-term. Um, at the same time, I just imagine that humanity will not be squeezed, that there are going to be points along the way where people much like you and I, it's just enough, right? Something flips in them. And, you know, there was a, let me just tell a little story. There was a wildfire here in California last week that caused a series of evacuations. And I watched people in the community, including people I'd never even seen before, never even knew they lived here, emerge from the woodwork and come together to literally move mountains. You know, there was a goat farm that was evacuated. And then we had to move 150 goats several miles to get out of the evacuation zone. And if somebody says you have a couple hours to move, you know, 200 goats, it just doesn't sound positive. On a regular day, you just laugh and say, yeah, right. Like, what, what are we going to do? In this case, nobody asked questions. It just happened. M- mountains were moved and people came together and, you know, broke language barriers and political barriers and whatever. And anything, any division imaginary that you can come up with was put to the side that day and the human spirit triumphed. 
And that is, I am chronically optimistic, that is what I imagine will help here is that more and more of us are going to come together, bring our unique experiences and skill sets together uh, and ensure that we overcome these, these events. It's good that you're uh, inspiring hope uh, in us. And I, I hope that that's the case as well. And I'm starting to see it. You know, I interviewed the former Special Forces Australia uh, politician, Ricardo Bossi in Australia, and he feels the same way. And you, you as well. Uh, and I think a lot of people are starting to come together. And, and finally, just uh, what are some a few just simple uh, themes or, or things that people should be thinking about in, uh, and doing in terms of, you know, preparing for food inflation and food shortages? Yeah, growing food is always the, the easy answer, right? We all have to eat every day. And that is the most basic form of dependence on the system that you can imagine. And so starting to learn how to grow your own food and save seeds and store that food for the off season, um, it, it makes you just a more valuable person. And it's a good feeling to have. It's also not a tremendously difficult thing to do. It takes a bit of practice to get spun up and to get the feeling for it, but it feels really good. And so I just think that's, a, like I said, I actually think that's part of what is innately human about us is, is cultivation and, and, and being uh, in tune with where your food comes from. So I think that's something that's good anyway. And as well, it is the only rational response to an agenda to take control over the food supplies for us all to start growing food um, and move to this massively distributed model of growing food everywhere, guerrilla gardening where you can, just getting that done. Um, and then generalizing that to the idea that all of these agendas are moving forward on a number of different vectors. I think it's time to speak up. It's time, you know, for a long time, it's been time to read and understand and learn about what's going on. And maybe you keep one foot in and one foot out. You go to work and you're kind of quiet by day. We don't have time, you know, it, it's time to go all in because so are they. They are all in right now against everything that is, you know, freedom and human rights and the future of humanity. And if we fail to act now while we still have the chance to save the day, to overcome these challenges, then yeah, then we do end up walking right in to that worst case you imagined where we are genderless, uh, transhumanized, nasty, unthinking through diet and injections, right? But we're just, we're just subjects at that point. And we have to put a stop to all of this before we reach that day. I think they want us to become some type of uh, X-Men uh, mutants, but without the super powers. Uh, and as you said, lately, I've been quoting Bob Dylan from all along the watchtower. Um, let us stop talking falsely now. You know, the hour is getting late. So as you said, yeah, you know, the, uh, you know, doing our podcasts like this maybe get us into trouble with our reputation score from current or future employers. But it's like, I don't care anymore because there's not going to be uh, a bright future uh, ahead. And um, any final thought to leave us with? No, I just thank you again for putting the message out there. And uh, I welcome folks to check out my site, iceagefarmer.com, where I've got all of the videos. You can't find me on YouTube, but I certainly don't trust that platform. And so I'm also on BitChute. And then again, iceagefarmer.com is where I'll keep everything updated. That's a private server and I intend to keep it running. And I think you also, is there any other website or initiative you have? I think the victoryseed.org. I did start, yeah, because Victory Gardens were, you know, used to be a common sense thing. When you get into a situation like this, everyone, again, everyone should be growing food. And so to plant the seed for Victory Gardens, I created thevictoryseed.org, which is just a very basic site giving you a little bit of information about when is the best time to plant certain crops in your neck of the woods based on your, your growing zone. And then also pointing out a couple examples where municipalities 
had passed uh, laws to make it easier or more possible right, to, to re-legalize, to decriminalize the growing of food. Um, there's also an example up there where Wyoming just literally cut the USDA. It was in the early days. It was like March of the pandemic. And there were these meat shortages and problems where uh, ranchers couldn't get their, their cattle to market. And so Wyoming just said, okay, this is nonsense. We're cutting out the USDA until this all gets sorted out because we can't stop farming and ranching. This doesn't work that way. Um, so to see those kinds of sensible responses, especially at the state level, I found encouraging. And I put up a couple examples of laws that, that uh, people can take to your city council or your you know, state or where, wherever you find an ear and think that you can make a difference. We all need to be working, whether you're a lawyer or a web person who can stand up sites to, to raise awareness for this or to uh, maybe a new e-commerce site for the farmer down the road who lost his deal with a restaurant when that restaurant closed. He needs your help now to find direct channels back to consumers. And so, it, like I said, it's going to take all of us with our unique skill sets. All of us are needed here to keep this game running. All right. Ice Age Farmer, highly recommended uh, to listeners the breakdowns uh, that are given. I haven't seen anywhere else on this topic. The videos are short if you have a short attention span uh, and they're to the point and they provide actionable intelligence. And as you say, I think it's time for all of us to start growing our own uh, gorilla gardens or even bring back the idea of, of the victory garden. So thank you again, uh, the Christian, the Ice Age Farmer. Thank you, Herveo. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast and interview. I would like to remind you that our website is geopoliticsandempire.com and you can sign up for our mailing list that goes out each weekend with the latest podcast and a long collection of important news headlines. It's good to sign up for the newsletter in case we experience censorship and deplatforming. You can help the Geopolitics and Empire podcast by subscribing to and interacting with all of our channels such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Gab, Minds, and Steemit. You can also help us by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platforms such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, Spreaker, and so on. Finally, if you value our work and our mission and would like to see us continue interviewing experts from across the political spectrum, please consider leaving a one-time donation via PayPal or Bitcoin or becoming a regular monthly supporter on our Patreon. All the links can be found on geopoliticsandempire.com. Thanks for listening.